Thank you, Diane and Darlene. Truly, we see the love of God in that he sent his son to be our Savior. Isn't that true? Praise the Lord for that. I was thinking in the first service how that, you know, love, sometimes we misunderstand what the word love means. And I thank the Lord for the good description that Pastor Nathan has given to us from our study on Sunday nights on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Uh, so many good aspects there to help us understand what love is because love has, has become a, a mushy word. And, and, you know, we went through Valentine's and all this. And there's, there's an aspect of love that uh, God had that was the sacrifice of His own Son. Can you imagine? Uh, the sacrifice of His own Son. And that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To have our faith in Jesus Christ, to take us to heaven, what a blessing, what a truth, what a dynamic. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, as Pastor Dan prayed this morning, why don't you come to know Him? No better time than today to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet that sacrifice, someone could say, well, you know, if I... Uh, was going out. It was Jesus Christ's love to us. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He did it because he loves us. And I hope that you've accepted him. Because if you die without Jesus Christ, you have no hope of going to heaven. And you can invite him into your heart to be your Savior. And I want to just encourage you to think of where you'll spend eternity. Many of you know our dear brother Hanley Barker went to be with the Lord yesterday. Uh, fell out of his wheelchair and, and, and hitting his head uh, caused his death. Um, you know, dying at home, dying quickly, surrounded by family and all, we thank the Lord. Mrs. Walkinshaw, uh, a week ago, and you know, there's a lot of struggles that are going on right now in people, and we're praying for people, and we need to be praying for the Stutchell family. And, Praying for Alicia and Esley and Judy, the folks that are, are going through these times in their life. Jack Purrington, who has blood clots in his brain right now in, in, uh, in uh, Peace uh, uh, Riverbend. Uh, just be praying for these folks. And I'd like to just take a moment right now as, as we pray for these folks and our services that God would grab our attention that we are living in a finite world. It's going to be gone someday. We need to be prepared. We need to live well. We need to finish well the life that God has given to us. Father, I thank you for this morning and for the song service. Lord, my heart has been thrilled with these wonderful songs and then the scriptures and how many things there can encourage us and strengthen us. And uh, Lord, our hearts grieve because some of our brothers and sisters are not able to be here. 
though some will be able to either watch this on television or to get the DVDs, Lord, to, uh, to be able to uh, see. And to, but there's nothing like being here and to know and to sense the Spirit that's here. But our hearts are, are heavy this morning. And Lord, as I think of uh, the, the opportunities that we had to get to know Brother Barker, now he's with you. And, and, uh, and the loved ones that have gone on before him, his dear wife of some 60-some years and Lord, we're thankful that, that he was such a champion. And, and uh, Lord, we feel robbed in some aspects that um, we did not uh, have more time with him. And others that are uh, on hospice, Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunities we've had with each and every one. But, Lord, we know that we're all going to die someday. We have a pull date and that we're going to spend eternity somewhere. And right now, Lord, it is my prayer that you encourage the folks that are here that they have settled the answer of where they'll spend eternity. And it's not based on how good they are or what church they go to. It is based on whether they have a relationship of Jesus Christ in their heart. God living in them and creating a new life, a new dress destination, a new purpose, a new um, uh, aspect of all that is here. And, and realizing truly that this is a finite world. And someday we'll stand before you and give an account of our lives and be rewarded of a life either well lived or seeing some of those things uh, dissipating because that we did not finish well our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll just help each one of us this morning to examine our lives. And as we get into this message now, it is my prayer that you will help us to understand what the glory of the Lord looks like in our lives and that the practical application today will be a dynamic that we will ponder and use every day of our lives. And Lord, help us now and help me, Lord, uh, to, to, to deliver a message in your spirit to take the word of God and bring it into our lives in, in such a fashion. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers uh, on top of this have uh, our handout. If you brought yours from last week, praise the Lord. If you do not have one, we have one to hand out to you. I'd encourage you to hold on to it. Just lift your hand if you do not have one. This is an eight-page booklet on the glory of the Lord. I would hope that you would hold on to it, not just through this series, but maybe go back and review some of these things because our life is to bring glory to the Lord. Now, there are some things that we understand in our lives that uh, uh, and we've heard these things. Some of us have been saved for a long time. Some of us have been saved for a short time. And we hear words that sometimes we don't understand the depth of those words. What I find on my Christian journey is that stories that I've known, words that I've heard, things that I've quoted, that oftentimes I have missed most of what's there. <laughs> Even this week, I, I, in my devotions, I, I was caught, and, and I believe I read it right. I, I might not have read it right, but I believe I read it right. And that was the story of when Moses struck the rock. And as I was reading along in this, it caught my attention that the punishment that went to, to Moses also went to Aaron. How many knew that? couple did. I, I never saw that before. And, and all of a sudden I'm shaking my head. But oftentimes, you know, our associations and what we get along with or do and things like that, that there are there are consequences and, and, and all. And I was I was reading that uh, this week and uh, it just caught my attention. 
Uh, this morning I was reading in uh, Numbers 26, and it was given the census again as they're getting ready to go into the promised land and everything in the census uh, had a completely different list of people, different list of numbers. And then it says that everyone that was in the census the first time, every one of them had died except Caleb and Joshua. And those things catch your attention. And so as we study these these aspects, you say, well, I know all about the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I keep learning as I I prolong the the message. I keep learning more and more and how it can apply to my life. And I'll be honest with you, this morning what we want to get across is how does this look every moment of my life? Every moment of my life. Does that make sense? You know, we, we hear this, and I, I appreciate one young man who's just gotten saved in our church not long ago. He came up to me and said, Pastor, thank you for giving the definition of the glory of the Lord. I hear it, but I didn't understand it. And you know, a lot of times people will be in church and they say, I, I don't understand it. But you know, I, maybe, maybe I'm the only one that doesn't know that. Can I say you're probably not alone? There's a lot of folks here, and it's important to get our questions answered. We're not about hurting people just through the Christian life. We are all on a journey at different stages of our Christian life, learning different aspects of our Christian life. Sometimes we forget where we used to be. It's important for us to have grace in our heart and mercy in our heart to those who are on their their journey. Sometimes we... uh, we might not even recognize where we are. Have you ever noticed that? You might think you're further down the pike than you really are. In fact, the further down the pike I might be going, the, the further down I realize, or the further I realize I have to go. Can you, can you agree with that? I'm on your own self. My, we talked about the peeling off of the onions. Remember me using that as an illustration last time? You, you come and, and God exposes things in your life and you peel off this layer of onions and... Wow, you feel so good that you've gotten that taken care of. What do you discover next? Another layer of the onion. And you peel off that layer. Oh, Lord, thank you for speaking to my heart. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for revealing these truths to me. What do you find next? Another layer. You're going to be peeling layers until you die. All right. Just say that to you. But also there's a positive aspect of this, isn't there, Jerry? There is a positive aspect. And if we understand that in this positive aspect, as we peel off those layers, praise God that we are seeing those things. But there's also layers of truth and the depth of the truth that we get to understand as we grow our faith. And that keeps us excited in the Lord. I'm going to tell you, being a pastor for 36, almost 36 years. What keeps me exciting is the infallible depth of God's Word that is just inexhaustible. And it's just like going treasure hunting and finding it here and finding it there. And I'm going to tell you something, my friends. That will keep you excited as well. We talk about the new car smell. How many have ever been... Had the opportunity to go in debt and buy a new car. Can I see your hands? All right. Oh, smells so good. But what happens? It wears off. 
Someone, Bob Lundin, came up to me after the service. He says, uh, Pastor, they sell incense for your car. It's entitled, New Car Smell. So just take your old car and spray it in there. Well, what happens is, is we can grow flat in our lives. We can grow flat spiritually. And, and I tell you what, that's a dangerous place to be. May God rekindle the fire in our soul because God wants us to bring glory to Him. If you think life's about you, you are going to miss your purpose and your direction of your life. And so we went into last time the uh, definition of the glory of the Lord. And we're talking about the display of His glory. We talked about that last time. And we'll get into the defeat of the Lord, uh, the Lord's glory. But this morning, again, glory means to reflect who God is. And the more we understand who God is, the better we're going to be able to reflect Him. If we say it's something godly, well, we need to know how would God do that? What would God's response? What would Jesus do? We know The more we know about God's Word, the more we grow. We are growing and bettering ourselves so we can reflect Him better. Then we went into... Creation showing the glory of God and the power of God. And you examine the beauty that He has created and the vastness of His universe. His, His power is displayed, but yet men will reject the glory of God. They want to see the glory of man. And there's so much humanism and evolution that's going on that's trying to, to take away from who God is. Do you think God in heaven who created all this is not offended when people talk about billions of years in creation. Or excuse me, not in creation, in evolution. I'm going to tell you something. God is able to create this world and He is the one who's created the world. How foolish it is to think that some rock exploded. And then we saw in Christ that uh, there in John 14, 7 through 9, it says that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father because he is the express image of the Father. We took you to uh, Hebrews chapter 1, which is a marvelous portion of scriptures that deals with who Jesus Christ is. In fact, there in verse 8, it says that the Father calls the Son God. Don't get that wrong. People have created the Jesus of their own imaginations today. In fact, some people think that Jesus was just this soft-spoken individual. When people ask, who do people say that I am? Remember him asking his disciples that? He says, some say you're John the Baptist, or some say you're a prophet. You remember how the prophets stood up and cried aloud. Jesus Christ was not some wimp out there. He's God's Son who came into this world to save us. And we need to get the right view of who He is. And if you believe in the wrong Jesus, you will not be saved by believing in the wrong Jesus. He was not the brother of Satan or some created being. He is eternal. He is God Himself. Amen to that? In that uh, portion of scriptures, there are interesting words. In fact, uh, in Hebrews 1.3, it says he is the brightness and the expressed image. And the idea of that brightness, and I, I want to clarify something because I might have I've misrepresented uh, 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 it last week. And I want to make sure that I clearly represent it. Because, yes, Jesus Christ reflects who God is to this world. But the word brightness is only used once in the scriptures in that passage right there. And it is the idea that it is the light and the illumination from the light. All right. Does that make sense? 
It's not like the moon reflecting the light. It is that Jesus Christ is the illumination of God. Wow. Amen. <laughs> I know maybe that overwhelms you or doesn't. Then the brightness and that illumination, it's not that he reflects God. It is his, that he is the light. And, and, uh, and uh, he came to light our hearts. And when he comes into our hearts, then we are to be illuminating to this world who God is. That is our responsibility. And the express image is the idea of an, a stamped image. Jesus in human form took on these attributes of, of, of God. And God wants us to reflect who he is. And so we talked about this in Christ. We talked about it in the church. How that we are building now the holy habitation of God in the people here of our church. Uh, I talked with uh, Pastor Nathan this week. And I says, uh, you know, when we talk about where we assemble here. Is it an auditorium or a sanctuary? And in some aspects, it's both, isn't it? But I like sometimes to refer to this as a sanctuary. A place where we can come in and we can find respite from this world. And we can put aside our, turn off our cell phones and leave our computers out there. And just, well, I guess some of you keep your cell phones on because you're using it to, to read the Bible through nowadays and everything. But it's a sanctuary in that we can come and we can, we can commune with God. But this isn't the only place you can commune with God. And you, my friend, are the sanctuary. You are the tabernacle of the holy uh, God of heaven where God comes and dwells in our heart when you accept him as your savior. But I'd almost rather refer to this as a sanctuary than an auditorium because we are not here to put on a show. We are here to worship God and our church ought to be reflecting who God is in our attitude and in our worship this idea of music in the church. Do you know our music is to be reflecting who God is? It's not about what I like. It's not to be reflecting the world. It's to be reflecting a holy God of heaven. Amen to that? And yet we've changed so much and people uh, have changed their musics because they want to entertain people and they want to attract a crowd. Let me tell you something. That's the wrong philosophy. The philosophy is we are to bring glory to the Lord and our singing ought to be praising him. I love the verse, Brother Rankin, you picked out this morning. That's a wonderful verse there in Psalms. Did you catch that? Man, we are to be praising the Lord. We'll say more about this because as we talk about now the church, we are the church. The people are here. Christians are to be reflecting the Lord. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so now that brings us now to page four in your notes. So if you got your notes there, uh, turn on to page four and we're going to go on to reflecting God in our responses. In our responses. How we conduct our lives. You, you know, some of this can be just a bunch of philosophy. Some of it can be just a, a bunch of ideas. What I hope to accomplish this morning is we put our feet on the road and we make sure that we examine our lives to see the things that we do if it's bringing glory to the Lord. 
All right, that's what we're going to go with now in our attitude and our attire and our ambitions and ambitions and attendance. That's as far as we'll get today. You've got the notes there in front of you. You've got the verses there in front of you. Respe- uh, reflecting God in our responses. You know, the Bible says that what's in a man's heart will come out. When the bottle is tipped over, it exposes what's in the bottle. And there are things that come into our lives and it will reflect what's really in our hearts. I want to tell you something. Alicia is a dear sister in the Lord. And her emails and how she is reflecting God's glory in this time of great difficulty in her heart and life is reflecting who God is in her life. May God help us to understand how we respond to the circumstances of our lives. Have you ever been under the weather? Can I see your hands? My question, what are you doing under there? Praying. <laughs> All right. That was that was a good comeback. <laughs> I'm down in the dumps. Why are you there? Well, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. Why are you under the circumstances? We're supposed to be under God. Isn't that right? You see, oftentimes, listen to me. We, we allow ourselves in a social sin that is very acceptable in this world. And in actuality, we are reflecting the world in our attitude. When we complain and when we worry. Is that any less a sin? It is not. Now, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because I have to check my... Linda, do you ever have to... You have to check your attitude all the time. Jose, do you ever have to check your attitude? Diane says yes, all right? I'm going to tell you something, folks. We don't have the luxury to reflect the world in our attitude. These are not suggestions in the scriptures. These are God's command. They're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Notice what it says, and you have your notes uh, there in front of you. It says, rejoice in the Lord. What? Now, I looked up the Greek word always, and guess what I discovered? It means... Always. Always. How many always do that? I don't always do it. This is a command. This is in the imperative tense and the present tense, which means you're supposed to always be doing this. And then Paul says, listen, if you didn't get it there, rejoice in the Lord always and what? Again, I say... Rejoice. Now, if we had gotten it the first time, he wouldn't have had to say it the second time. And by the way, we probably didn't even get it the second time. But as we grow in our understanding that I am to be reflecting the Lord always. Always. Now, notice what he says here. And this is, by the way, a tremendous 
uh, verse of, 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 that helped me through some times when I was flat in my life and, and trying to gain ownership over discouragement and things like this. Several years ago, there was there some real battles going on in my own soul and some of you have gone through those battles and probably every week we go through those battles. I dare say if you are a born-again believer, you are going to battle your attitude. Someone pulls out in front of you and uh, slows down, or you, you, you see how someone else drives, including your husband, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and pretty soon your attitude is not proper. And sometimes we say things that we ought not to say. James tells us in chapter 3, that bitter and sweet water ought not to come from the same lips or the same fountain. And I, I, I've had Christians say to me, well, excuse my French. It's not French. It's ungodly. But so often we think, oh, it's no big deal. Listen to me. There's a holy God in heaven. You don't want to offend him. And God has left you and I here to reflect Him, to be the light in this world. Let your light so shine. My attitude. He goes on, he says, let your moderation. The idea of moderation is, 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 uh, is a tempered uh, aspect. In other words, uh, it's not necessarily self-control, but there's, there's a meekness here. And there's a, there's a quality of your behavior. And it says, let it be known to all men. People should be able to see Christ in your life. People should be able to say, you know what? You, you, you act like a Christian, are you? I love it when someone comes up and says that to me. And I love asking someone else, you know, you, you might be a Christian. We were sitting next to a guy in the plane as we were flying home from Someplace, I don't remember where we were, and, and, and we got to talk to him, and you know, he just, he just, he smelled like a Christian. And we got to talk to him, we found out that he was a leader in his church. His wife worked in the church. You know, there's a reflection there. May God help us to be that right kind of reflection. He says, let it be made known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. He doesn't die when we have circumstances that are unfavorable to us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to get frustrated. We don't have to have anxieties. You say, we don't? Well, I'll just take a Valium. (laughs) I'll tell you what. There's a better prescription here than Valium. And one is, we have gotten so accustomed. It becomes a fabric of our life, and it's not a good fabric. He says, be careful... For nothing. The word careful, some of your translations have it anxiety. Some of it have it worry. And that is the idea of the word there about worry and anxiety and and just the struggles in your emotion when things are going topsy-turvy. By the way, Paul is writing this while he's in prison. I like reading God's word number one. Number two, I like reading when there's a man who's behind the word that's writing this as well. That is exemplifying that Paul understood the sovereignty of God. Is God sovereign? You know, it's one thing that as we got to talk with uh, Bev Stutchel, you can imagine the, the horror that could go through your heart 
as you hear your father fall and hit the ground and to discover him dead. But Bev and Phil understand the sovereignty of God and that God makes no mistakes. You see, we are to be reflecting who God is and God is a sovereign God. And when I worry or when I complain, I'm telling the world I'm reflecting a worldly philosophy and not a godly philosophy. Right or wrong? And we got to catch this. I'm going to tell you something. I'm preaching more at myself than you are. I hope you catch some of it, but I'm trying to catch it. I'm trying to do better at this because I don't want to reflect a worldly philosophy to this world. By the way, not being satisfied with what you have is a worldly philosophy. We are to be reflecting who God is. And and I have, you can kind of see, this is my... uh, sheet that I use on a daily basis to look over and to pray the attributes of God. And as I pray over these attributes of God, I am supposed to be reflecting that He is an omnipotent God. Right? That means that God is all-powerful. When I worry or complain, I've taken my eyes off of Him, putting on myself, and then I reflect to this world who I am, not who He is. He's an omniscient God. That means in my behavior, in my public life, and my private life, I am reflecting who God is to the seen and the unseen world. By the way, do you know that the angels, both good and bad angels, see you in your private life? He's omnipresent. He's always there. He's holy. He says, be you holy, for I am holy. He is a loving God, therefore I am to be loving. He is an immutable God, which is an unchanging God. Faithful. Am I supposed to be faithful? Moreover, it's required in stewards that the man be found faithful. He's patient. Uh-oh. Boy, it got quiet in here, didn't it? He's gracious. He's merciful. How many believe you can do a little bit better job than what you're doing? Another layer of the onion might be pulled off in your life today as you understand this, how the rubber meets the road and what the world sees in our life is to be reflecting who God is and the way I respond in my attitude. He says there in uh, verse... uh, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, if instead of trying to figure out some of the things ourselves, if we would just come to the Lord in prayer and say, Oh God, I can't handle this, but you can. And bring before Him our request and have it with thanksgiving. Make it be known unto God. And He says the peace, this is an amazing uh, remedy here. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It might not make sense to anybody else, but God will give you a peace and that is far better than the worries and the anxieties and the frustrations of life. Amen? And then he tells us what to think on. 
I love this. And by the way, this is a passage of scriptures that I've tried to commit to memory because it has been used so many times in my own life when my soul is troubled and the anxiety of my flesh uh, is, is taking control of my life. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, uh, uh, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any... Praise. Think on these things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. If I understand who God is, the better I know who He is. And these attributes. On the flip side of my uh, devotional uh, is, is the human aspect of these things. And it talks about the quality of humility, love, meekness, modesty, patience, peace, purity, self-control, steadfastness, contentment, discernment, faithfulness. May God help us in the qualities and attributes of our own life. Attitude. Uh, I, I, I think I gave, did I give you 2 Corinthians 3? Did you write that down on your, your notes? Anybody got that on your notes? Maybe not. Second, why don't you write down 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, where it says, We are living epistles known and read of all men. Not... Tables of stone, but tables of our heart and our, our, our flesh. People look at our lives and they're going to see something. May God be seen in us. Uh, smiles. You know, when people come into Westside Baptist Church, the friendliness, not a put on friendliness, but a genuine friendliness. Our choir singing up there, the wonderful songs that they sing and singing with gusto. Isn't that right? Uh, Karen and 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 being able, you know, maybe I got some aches and pains, and yes, I've got uh, arthritis, and and uh, uh, may God be seen in our lives. May God be seen in our lives. So that is our attitude. Did, did I spend enough time there? Did I miss any of your pet sins? I'm telling you that, that this is to be convicting to us. Amen, I, I would hope. Then we go into attire. And attire, and, and here is, you know, some of our focus sometimes in our attire can be on the external things. And I, I believe we ought to, to dress and look well. But you know, God does look on the heart, doesn't He? And when it comes into our attire in the Scriptures, God looks at the attire of our heart. We have to be careful about the external attires. Yes, man does look on the outside, and it's okay to take a shower now and then. Amen to that. And it's all right to look good for the Lord as we represent. We are ambassadors in a world. But we need to understand, and, and, and in this passage that is given there in 1 Timothy 2, 9 is about ladies' attire. And truly, you know... I, I, Women need to dress modestly. Yes or no? But in this passage, the word modest is a different word than what we would think of scantily attire. Now, I think it's important that our ladies not be a temptation or a stumbling block to men. And I would hope that most of us as parents have taught our children good attire uh, habits in the activities and the uh, appropriateness of their attire. But listen what it says here. And this is 
we, we've kind of changed our, our standard here at Westside Baptist Church. Well, people say, well, should I wear this or shouldn't I wear this and everything? And people coming into our church. We, we want to be careful about our judging of the externals of our lives in our attire. And that we want to be about our hearts, which I personally believe is a higher standard. Now, some people say, well, man, you lowered your standard because you changed it. I actually personally hope that our congregation would understand that we have raised the bar of our standard here for servants at Westside Baptist Church. And that standard of attire is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound like a pretty high standard? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, understand what, and the more you understand what would Jesus do, you will be able to answer that better in your growth of your life. But we're all at different places in our lives. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 9. In the like manner, and again, this is after verse 8, which it talks about men lifting holy hands unto the Lord. God wants us to be holy. And lifting holy hands in like manner, also women adorn themselves. Now, when you see that word adorned, most of you would think of your dress or your what, you know, whatever it might be. And the word adorn here comes from the Greek word cosmos. Now, when I say cosmos, you're saying cosmetics, right? And uh, but the word cosmos means orderly or the order when he created the Cosmos. He put everything right where he wanted it. Isn't that amazing? Wow. What a great God. And so it's not talking about putting your face in order. Cosmetics. All right. It's talking about the order of your life. And, 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 and he goes on. Uh, uh, adorn themselves in modest apparel. This word modest is the same word that is used in 1 Timothy 3, 2, which is talking about the bishop, that he is to have good behavior. Good behavior. That's what the modest word is. So your apparel is your behavior. Isn't that something? You wouldn't think apparel. Well, I'm going to go down to J.C. Penney's or Sears or, or Gap or whatever else. I'm telling you, most people get it wrong in this aspect of apparel. And he's telling you to put on this modest apparel or this good behavior. And he says, with shamefacedness. What does your translation have in it? The word shamefacedness. It is actually the word for reverence. Reverence. And sobriety. He's talking about these apparels. It's not about the suit or the dress or anything else. He's talking about your behavior. He's talking about your attitude. He's talking about what's in your heart. And that word sobriety is a sound mind. Not then he goes on. He goes, you see our girls today. They think, dad, mom, I need to go down and get these latest fashions so that I will be accepted in school. And there is so much peer pressure put on our young people to fit into the latest fashions. And that is worldly. Does that make sense? God says you put on the good behavior. You put on the reverence. You put on this sound mind. And I tell you what, if our men drew... 
Yoshi, who else is singing? Whatever your name is over here. (laughs) Patrick, if you would be more concerned about the apparel of the heart than the outside apparel. Most girls think they have to win a man by the outside. And God says, man, what's inside is what you're going to be living with. May God help us with that. And I would hope that us as parents would teach our girls that it's not about the plating of the hair and and the smell of the perfume or the jewels or the gold or the pearls or the costly array. Do you see it there? He also says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 3. We read this at our Young at Heart on uh, Friday night. It says in in, uh, chapter uh, 3 of 1 Peter verses 1 through 6, it gives uh, a, a godly conduct of a wife who there is not married to a saved man. And it says not by her words, but by her behavior, she can be a light to him and he can come to Christ by her behavior. And he'll behold her, verse 2 says, her chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of the apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornaments of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of a great price. Every father who wants to show his daughter the Bible in these areas, is so important to convey these truths to our girls. Amen to that? I wish that we would not be following Hollywood. I wish we'd be following God's standards. So this is an attire. And then we get into ambitions here, showing God in our ambitions. And, you know, there's so many here. I I don't want this series to keep on going. We'll never get to the life of Christ. So let me kind of hurry through this a, a little bit. Not not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Do you know God wants us to be ambitious? And God wants us to be passionate? And God wants us to put our heart in whatsoever we do. Colossians tells us that. Whatsoever your hands find to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And that goes to our schoolwork, our employment, in every aspect of our lives, right? Every aspect of our lives. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would there. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. He says, servants... Be obedient. This is verse 5. Ephesians 6 verse 5. Servants. And you can write this down next to your notes here. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. And with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as unto the Lord. If you have a job, if you have a teacher, whatever it might be, God says you put your heart into it. Do the best that you can. Not for a raise, but you do it as unto the Lord. You say, I got a crummy job. I was following behind one of those uh, trucks that uh, pump out your septic tanks. Uh, That would be a crummy job. But on the back, it had this slogan on the back. It said, 
Yesterday's Meals on Wheels. I thought, you know, that guy has put a little humor in his job. You know, you need to thank the Lord in all things, whatever you have. And make sure you are a good employee. And I thank the Lord. Most times Christians are. And it's a good reflection of Jesus Christ in your uh, place of employment. I'm sure, Jerry, you, you would like to see that in your employments. They're not serving you, Jerry. They're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Should we be teaching that to our children? Work ethics? One man was sleeping on the job. The foreman came up and caught him. And came up and kicked him in the foot. He says, why are you sleeping on the job? And the man says, well, I didn't hear you coming. <laughs> That's not what it says here in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, as unto the Lord. Verse 6 says, not with eye service as man pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Do we got it? This is the way we're supposed to live. We don't go out and work at our place of employment so we can get the raise. We work to reflect who God is. Everything we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all for the glory of God. Do you think this is important? Do you believe that there are ways that we can change how we are reflecting God to this world? I want to encourage you in this. The last one, I just want to catch it real quickly, but that is in our attendance. Just real quickly, just because we got this in the first service. If you bear with me just a few more minutes. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Do you know God wants us to be coming together as a church? God wants us to come and worship. God wants us to come and encourage. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner. The word manner there is the customs. And what we are finding, there was an article that was put out by a leadership magazine that talked about that the manners or the customs of what's going on in our churches today is not good. People are finding themselves not being as faithful as they used to be. Why? The Bible says that we're not supposed to forsake this as we see the day approaching. We're supposed to be assembling more, not less. <laughs> so why is it that we're seeing? This article talks about a church of 200. And if uh, half of them miss just one Sunday a month, most people wouldn't notice it except that the attendance would drop down to 175. They're saying that the reason that attendance is dropping in church is not that necessarily there are, there are less people going to church. But it's the people that are going to church are less faithful. You know, it used to be that, hey, this is what we did. You just go to church, you know, and you get up because you might uh, find what God has for you that day. And the very day that you miss might be the day that God had a very special message for you. Oh, you say, my life has grown flat. And I'm going to tell you something. That is very possible that you have lost the new smell car in your church. You know what I mean? And I've been going to this church and going to this church. And pretty soon, man, the preacher, he just gets up there and rants and raves. And they sing us a couple of songs. And we just go through the motions. And then we go home. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. That's a dangerous place to be. There's something wrong. 
there's something wrong. Now, sometimes it is the church. And sometimes we need to change churches. But if it's a good church, we need to come with anticipation and an excitement in our soul and picking up the Word of God. Usually what I find is that the Word of God is dull at home as well. Church is dull. Word of God is dull. You know what the Bible says has happened to you? You've lost your first love. The new car smell is worn off. And whatever it takes, you need to go and find that. You need to discover the uh, church of Ephesus there, the first church mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. It says you're a good church, but it got something against you. You've lost your first love. Go back and discover it. Find your passion for God. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. God doesn't want us to lose our love. We should be growing in our excitement and our thrill of who God is. Amen? My dad says you're going to get over it. I said, Dad, I'm never going to get over it. And mining in the Word of God and discovering the truths that are there keeps my soul excited. And then he says, and exhorting one another. That word there in exhorting one another in in Hebrews uh, 10.25 is the word paraclete, which means to come alongside and say, Hey, I want to encourage you. Or if I come up to it, man, we got to go to church today. Oh, my. Oh, life is... <laughs> no, it should be we come alongside. If I see a brother who's struggling, then I need to come alongside and encourage my brothers. And there's nothing so as exciting as to come and say, Boy, uh, Melva, it's so good to have you in church today. John, man, it is good to have you all the way from California. Comes, David, man. But it's not just in church. It's outside the church. You see a brother or a sister who is struggling. You come alongside and say, man, what can I do to encourage you? Right or wrong? We're supposed to be there. That's what the church is. It's an assembly. And we should be loving and caring for our brothers when we see them downtrodden. We come alongside. May God help us. And not lose the new car smell. And if you've lost the new car smell, ask God where to find it. It won't be in the auto parts store. Man, I'm going to have my devotions. The preacher said, go out and get some of that new scent. I'm just going to spray it in the air and maybe I'll get it back. I'm going to tell you, check your heart. There's something that has taken its place in your heart. Father, I pray that you'll help us now in our journey. There's, there's got to be a passion in our soul for Thee. And Lord, we need to be real with ourselves that if it's just a matter of coming and fulfilling an obligation and maybe we've gotten so much of the world in us that we fail to realize that all that thrills my soul is Jesus. There could be the entertainments. There could be the cell phones that have caught our attention and we are losing the fire in our soul. And truly, as you take the embers out of the fire, those embers will go cold. And maybe we've sensed a slow drift away from your loving heart and we don't even realize how far we've gotten from you. Oh God, I pray you'll speak to souls this morning and help them to discover the thrill of who you are. Lord, I know there are times when the old devil tries to get us discouraged, tries to get our eyes off of you, and 
Sometimes we feel like we're just holding on. Lord, may that not be. Lord, I've said in times past that I don't want to be just a maintenance pastor. I don't want to just exist to retirement. Father, we need to keep growing and the journey and the truths and the, the reality of lives and people that we can help and encourage. Lord, get, help us to get away from our selfishness and onto the Savior and onto others. Oh, God. May our motivation as we walk through this life be to bring you glory. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And if I've hit some of your pet peeves this morning, an attitude or attire or ambitions or attendance, and God's speaking to your heart, let him have his way in your life. Have thine own way is what we're going to sing. And listen, folks. This is a kind of message that can't end with a final amen. It is one that you must take out on the streets of your lives. When the postman comes by, does he see Jesus in me? Every day we get up and say, oh God, help me to bring you glory. That's why I start my day with devotions. Why I try to get my heart in tune with the Lord. To sing praises unto Him. And to keep my attitude right. Rather than being discouraged. You're talking about all the struggles and complaining. And all the bad stuff that's going on. God says to rejoice always. Now right now I dare say that most of us in this room should have had something that God has given to us. Will you go out and deal with it as God lays it on your heart? And if you're not saved this morning, why not today come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Father, you've worked in our lives. You've helped us. Lord, in this message, Lord, you helped me as I wasn't feeling well today. Again, but yet, Lord, your word is what's powerful and your spirit is what does its work. And Lord, you've, 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 you're reminding me. And I hope this congregation as well, every one of us, as we are in this assembly together that, Lord, that we would have in our heart the utmost to bring you glory. And forgive us of how many times we've lived without even thinking about your glory. So may it capture our attention in a greater capacity and help us to grow for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Father, today, if it's meant to be that this happens, you are sovereign. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. He's the potter. We're the clay to be molded. The things that happen in our lives.